You can take your Bibles to turn them, please, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to uh, embark on our journey. We're, we're headed to Jackson, Mississippi this morning. And it uh, seems like we've been all over the country this summer. And we kind of have. We've been, uh, we've been some places. We've been to Vegas and Hollywood. And we've been to Boston and New York. And, and I think y'all went to the beach while I was gone and spent some time in New Orleans. And so we've been all around and uh, looking at some different things. And we're going to journey up from New Orleans just a few miles uh, from last week to Jackson, Mississippi. On their website, they have this statement. It says, feel the heartbeat of the South in the city with soul. And then they answer this question, why, why is uh, Jackson called the city with soul? Well, for one thing, the people here are just about the friendliest you'll ever meet. Well, I'm sure a lot of towns feel that way, but one of the reasons, or probably the big reason I chose Jackson, Mississippi for today's destination is I was looking for some southern hospitality, and you can find it in Jackson. They've got friendly people. they got family values. They say Mississippi has got the... Uh, I, I saw a survey a couple of years ago. Mississippi has the strongest religious values of any state in our nation. So they got friendly faces. they got family values. And, of course, they got fried chicken. If you're looking for hospitality, you got to have fried chicken. In fact, I read a, a little excerpt from... a. Just from a review, and uh, there's a place in Jackson called Juleps for fried chicken. It made the USA Today top ten list. And, of course, there's another place that uh, the author of this thought was even better. They fry their chicken without skin on. I don't really know how that works. But anyway, uh, so you got family values, friendly faces, fried chicken. And, of course, you got to have iced tea. Now, in the South, we make our tea sweet. Now, I know a lot of you folks here, that's been a source of contention since I arrived at Wimberley, is how do you drink your tea? Well, thanks be to God, Miss Norma is out there somewhere, and she figured out that her preacher likes sweet tea, and a couple times, just a couple weeks after I got here on Wednesday night, she'd make her pastor a pitcher of sweet tea, and so I'm convinced, Miss Norma, I don't know where you are, there's this great reward for you in heaven <laughs> for taking care of your preacher. But uh, so why would we talk about fried chicken and sweet tea and family values? Well, uh, every church, including ours, could stand a little southern hospitality. Uh, everybody's looking. When you go somewhere, when you go to a new place, when you step into a new room, everybody's looking uh, for somebody that's like them. They're looking for somebody that's friendly. They're looking uh, for a smile. And uh, Robin's right. Uh, you know, we ought to smile. And, uh, and because God's done some awesome and mighty things in our life. And so we want to, I want to delve into this subject of Southern, Southern hospitality. And, uh, so we want to use Jackson as a jumping off point. Uh, obviously there's a lot of places in the South, including a lot of places in Texas where we find Southern hospitality, but we just thought it would be a good destination. And a couple of you have lived there. Some of you have been there. Uh, some of you are from there. And so you can resonate with Jackson. But this, the question is, uh, we talk about Southern hospitality and we kind of uh, think that we maybe have a corner on the market. And if, if you've been some places that aren't in the South, maybe we do have a corner on the market. I can remember um, uh, a few trips up to... Uh, out of the South, and, uh, and I'm just happy to be a Southerner. But we don't have a market on it. But the bigger question is, 
Does the scripture say anything about hospitality? Now, obviously, I don't think it, I hate to admit this, I'm not sure it says anything about fried chicken. Uh, although that's, you, you do know fried, you, you know, uh, if you're a Baptist preacher, you know you're called when you wake up craving fried chicken, right? You, you, you understand that. So, and I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a beef eater, so I don't know how that works. But, uh, but I don't think the scripture says anything about uh, fried chicken. And as much as I hate to admit it, I, I'm not sure it says a whole lot about sweet tea. But it does speak to the subject of hospitality. And so in Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read an interesting passage. And I'll kind of tell you why it's interesting, but it, it talks about the subject of hospitality. But why don't you join me there? We're in Romans 12. Let's begin reading in, in verse number 9. Why don't we stand as we honor the Lord's word this morning? Romans 12, now we're jumping right in the middle of something, I'll explain it to you in a moment, but it says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need practice hospitality. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning as we touch on this subject of uh, hospitality, that you would teach us, that you would challenge us, Father, and that you would even encourage us so that we'd be faithful to the call that you placed, not simply on our lives as individuals, but on our life as a church, uh, to be a lighthouse, to send the light, to share the light, to show the light and the love of Jesus. In our community. And so God, I pray that you'd encourage us this morning. But even more than that, Father, I pray that you'd convict us to become uh, what and who you want us to be so you can be honored by all that we do. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we thank you for how you're going to speak into our hearts and use us in the life of our community. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for honoring the Lord's word with me. Southern hospitality, as we've talked, it can be a great and wonderful thing, but we, need, we do need more than fried chicken, and, and uh, we do need more than sweet tea, though that's a good start. We need biblical, intentional, God-honoring hospitality. Now, I want to define that in a minute, and you may just want to write in your margin somewhere the word intentional, the, the phrase intentional hospitality, but, but let me just do a, kind of set this up a little bit. Uh, Romans 12 begins this very practical section on living out the Christian life, and in the first part of Romans 12, Paul says he urges believers to offer themselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God, and then he says... In doing that, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so the the challenge is for you and me to offer ourselves as a sacrifice and and to be transformed uh, by having a renewed mind. And then Paul gets into discussion about how each of us has been given a measure of faith. We've been given a spiritual gift that we're to use uh, based on our faith. And he says whatever gift we have, whatever measure of faith that God's been given, we're to use it. And, and so he sets this section up. And then beginning in verse 9, he begins to give this, I think it's a pretty exhaustive list. Now, it's not completely exhaustive, but he gives this long list of expectations, commandments, and challenges that you and I are to fulfill 
in order to live out and to flesh out the Christian life. You know, sometimes we think, you know, well, you give your life to Jesus and you just kind of let go and, and you just let God do His thing in your life. Well, well, when you give your heart to Jesus and I give my heart to Jesus, we do need to let go of some things. And we do need to allow God to work in our life. But clearly, Paul has lined out here some specific things that God expects of his people. Some, some practical things that he expects of the body of Christ. And so we've got this exhaustive list. And some of them, not all of them, but a number of them relate to hospitality. In fact, in the verses that I read, there are 13 different commandments, practical ways that God expects you and me to flesh out or live out our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, as we look through this, we'll see that a number of these are related to hospitality. But let me, let's just talk about that, that word, hospitality. What is, what is biblical hospitality? Because when we think of hospitality, we think, I mean, growing up, I think of sitting on the front porch at my grandma's and we'd sit around with a glass of tea and, you know, if somebody came by, you had a conversation and, but you just spent time together and, uh, you enjoyed, uh, snacks and sweet tea and cookies and all these different things. And we think of, uh, hospitality that way. But when you look in the scriptures, what does the Bible say? What is that word? When it says practice hospitality, What does Paul mean? Well, when you look into the original language, the word hospitality there in our text is to pursue the love of or to pursue a love for strangers. In other words, we're not just simply to meet the needs of the people, believers and unbelievers who come across our path. We are to look for opportunities to help. We are to pursue, to chase after a love for strangers. Now, John Piper's rightly noted that we are to be constant and persistent in our practice of hospitality. In other words, uh, that's where I think the word intentional comes in. We need to be intentional in chasing after or pursuing a love for strangers. Now, the, why do we need to do that? Well, uh, Piper gives this great analogy. He was talking about the space shuttle, but he says, he says the, the interesting thing about the way the earth's created, the earth has a gravitational pull that sucks everything to the center. And that law of gravity literally pulls everything toward the center of the earth. If I were to jump off, or I know some of you are thinking, one day you're going to fall off the front of this stage. Well, when I fall off, not if, but when, gravity is going to suck me toward the center of the earth. That's just the law, the natural. If you throw something up, what is it going to do? It's going to come down. Uh, There's just a law of gravity that means that everything is sucked toward the center of the earth. Uh, I've always thought that's why I never could jump very high. It's just that rule. You know, white men can't jump. Well, I'm one of them. You know, I could, because, and, and Piper was saying, because that's true, like with the space shuttle, It takes thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of energy to propel this space shuttle or any spacecraft out of our atmosphere and into outer space. Why? Because there's this this gravitational pull that just pulls everything to the middle. Now, 
the interesting thing about you, you say, well, what does that have to do with hospitality? Well, here's what it has to do with. We have in our heart this tendency to focus on ourselves. It is just natural. The natural thing for us is self-preservation. The natural thing for us is uh, to be safe. The natural thing for us is to operate in our comfort zone. We just, we want to focus on us. But if we're going to pursue love for strangers, if we're going to chase after others, then that means we've got to get out of our comfort zone. That means that we've got to be energized where where we get past this idea of of looking at me and, and what makes me comfortable and what meets my need. We've got to be able to look out into others and say, I want to help them experience God's best for their life. Now, you might be thinking, well, where, where does that come from? Why would God want us to offer hospitality? Well, the Bible speaks to that over in the book of, um, the book of Leviticus, of all places. God talks about that. If you have your, word, your copy of the Word, turn to Leviticus. Now, we don't go to Leviticus often. This is a good exercise. Leviticus chapter 19, this is a good practice. Just go to Genesis and turn right a couple books. There you'll find it, okay? Genesis chapter 19. Listen to verse 33. It says, When an alien lives in your land, that's a good word, another word for stranger, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native born. Love him as yourself. Now, why would God say that? Because we have a gravitational pull. The natural tendency is to love ourselves. The natural tendency is to love our own. That's why Jesus said the, the first commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as who? As yourself. And so God speaks to this idea. And by the way, look, the, the, it's significant. Love him as yourself. For you were aliens in Egypt. I am the Lord. Now, listen, think about this. If you were with me last week, remember, and I didn't know this connected. I didn't really figure out this connected until last night. But if you remember last week, we talked about how Israel was in bondage in Egypt. They were enslaved. They were in bondage. But God, out of love for them, raised up Moses. Moses led them out of Egypt. But the issue was uh, the last plague. And if you remember last week, we talked about how the blood of the lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb is what propelled them out of Egypt and set them free on their journey. And so God was saying to them, and God is referring back to them and saying, listen, remember remember what it was like to be a stranger. You were in bondage. You were under the influence of the enemy. And you need to remember what it was like because I delivered you and set you free. And I think that's such a tremendous principle for us when, when we think about pursuing the love of strangers or pursuing a love for a stranger. We need to, I think what God was saying to Egypt, remember what it was like. When God says to you and me to practice hospitality, what God is saying, remember what it was like before you knew God. Remember what it was like. And so I believe you ought to write in your margin. I think above that word, somewhere in your margin, you ought to just write this. You should write intentional hospitality. And then you ought to write pursuing a love for strangers. Pursuing a love for strangers. If we're going to be hospitable, 
we've got to love people that are strangers. Now, did you, did you know, did you know that on a given Sunday, on any given Sunday, I don't know how many there'll be today, but on a given Sunday, five, ten, maybe more first time guests will pull into our parking lot and park in our parking lot and they'll come into our church and from a biblical standpoint, they are strangers because they've never been here. And some of you are here today for the first time. And, and I, the reason I, I, I use the word stranger, because as a guest, this is your first experience. And so when they pull into a parking lot at a church, they begin to ask questions. Well, what do I do next? Which, which door do I go in? Is there a children's building? Is there somewhere for my children or grandkids to go? Or should I bring my kids with me into the service? I wonder where the restrooms are. Oh, what are they going to expect of me? Am I overdressed? Am I underdressed? Is it right? And so when, when someone decides to come on the campus of our church or any church for that matter, they are stepping out of their comfort zone. They are stepping into a new experience. And there's a lot of questions that they have. And there's a lot of things that they're looking for and, and what they need. What they need is for a group of God's people to be ready for them when they come. And to treat them and to remember what it was like when we were a first-time guest. Remember what it was like when we were strangers. Uh, in 1985, I moved to Austin to work for the Beef Council for a few months. Uh, got to looking for a church one Wednesday night. Uh, in fact, my girlfriend was with me at the time. And we went over to this church and we had the Wednesday night meal. We went into the service. You know, it was, it was good. People were very nice. Went into the service. Service good. I, I don't remember what the preacher's name was. I don't remember the name of the church. I don't remember what they had for dinner. Probably fried chicken and tea. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't remember what the message was about, but you know what I remember? They said, we're so glad to have guests with you. If you're a first timer, would you please stand and introduce yourself? Now, I was a big boy. I mean, I'd, you know, I'd, you know, I'd served in some areas where I was okay with, with speaking publicly. So I was kind of sitting about over here in the auditorium. So I stood up and introduced myself and, uh, my girlfriend and, and some other people. You know, and, and it was an okay experience. But you know something? I never went back. And I don't know if it was because I felt uncomfortable. I, I don't really know why. But I think sometimes as a church, we just, we just forget what it's like to be new. We forget what it's like to not know where to go. And so we need to be intentional about how we show love to people. Think about this. Every single person that joins our church has a first-time visit. And we better be intentional and we better be ready to show them the love of Christ and to practice this idea of hospitality. Go back to Romans 12 and look at verse 9. It says, love must be sincere. Think about this. Many of the people who are coming to our church, or again, to any church, not just First Baptist, but many people who take the risk of coming to a church for the first time, it's because they, a lot of times it's because they're new to the area and they're looking for a spiritual home. 
Or it might be because they've gone through a difficult time in their life. It could be that they've lost a loved one. It might be that they've gone through a divorce. It could be that they've had a job loss and had to relocate. It could be that they're going through some crisis moment in their personal life or in their family life. Or it might be that God's just wooed them and drawn them and they finally decided, God, I'll go to church. Or maybe, maybe somebody like you has invested in them week after week after week and invited them and finally they decide, I'm going to go to church today. We need to lovingly, sincerely be ready when they come. We need, we need to be committed. We, we need to be focused on, on those that God brings to us. I mean, think about this. When someone decides, when someone decides to attend a church, our church, any church, they could do anything on Sunday morning. They could go anywhere. And God chooses to bring them to us. We need to love them. And in fact, look at, I think it's verse 11 in our passage. Notice what it says there in verse 11. Uh, it, never be lacking in zeal. Actually, let's go to verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. The term devoted, really an interesting uh word when you look at it in the original language. And I, I know you're excited about this, but the word is philostorgus, I guess is maybe how you say it. But it's a compound word. It's made up of friendship love and family love. And what the apostle is saying to the church says we need to be devoted. We need to have a friendship love and a family love for one another. And then he goes on to talk about brotherly love. And that's the word we get Philadelphia. And it's a compound word as well. But it means to have affection for our brothers. Now, listen, here's what I'm saying. When God chooses to allow one of his little ones and their family and or their family to give us part of their weekend, we need to be ready to show them some friendly family love. We need to show them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've taken a risk. It, listen, it's not risky for you and me to come. We know where to park. We know what door to go in. We know where the bathroom is. We know where the coffee is. We know the rules. We know the people. It's no risk. But when somebody decides to come the first time and be our guest, they have taken a big risk. A big risk. About five years ago at Easter, there was a, I, uh, let me back up before that. I started uh, bicycling five or six years ago and it was a local bike shop in the community and I got to know a couple, uh, a couple fellows at the bike shop and began to uh, ride with them a little bit and, and one of the guys I got to know, a uh, great guy, just, he was, a professed atheist. He, he kind of talked like a sailor. But he was a great guy. 
He was nice, do anything he could to help you. And so on Easter, he had two little girls. And so Easter, I said, you know, so I invited him to church. I said, I know you, I said, no, you don't believe in my God. I says, but would you be willing to, I said, why not bring your girls and come to church? And he's, and I was so surprised. He says, you know, I could do that. He says, my wife's working Easter Sunday. He said, I could bring the girls. And so I, and I remember, man, I was, I was at the front door. I was looking Easter Sunday morning. Sure enough, he comes. And they come in and, you know, you could kind of tell. You, you, have you ever been somewhere when you feel like you didn't belong and you were just kind of, on, you were a little nervous? I, I could tell Scott was that way. But he came and he worshiped. And so uh, a few days later, I took him to lunch and I said, I said, Scott, just tell me about the experience. And we talked about some different things. And here's what he said. He says, when we pulled up in the parking lot, he says, he says and he had on jeans and a short sleeve shirt, just a casual shirt, kind of like mine. Uh, but his, his little girls had on dresses. He says, when we pulled up in the parking lot, the first kids that got out didn't have on dresses. And he said, I thought, oh, my girls aren't dressed right. And he said, but the next car that pulled in, they had on dresses. And I thought, it's okay. We can go in. Now, we, we think about how we're going to dress on Sunday, Right? But we don't pull into the parking lot and wonder, can I go in? See, we, we forget. We don't remember what it was like the first time. And so what I'm saying, church, is, is we need to be ready. Next Sunday, God's going to send some people here. Today, God's sending some people here. And they need to see and experience the love of Jesus from us. Not, not from the Sunday school teacher. Not simply from the staff, but from us. Practice hospitality. Be intentional about hospitality. Let me just, I want to share with you four practical things. Just, these are just so practical that you need to do. These are things that you and me, all of us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you come to this church, you need to practice these, or at least consider practicing, uh, if not all of them, at least some of them. And if you're, and you say, well, I'm not a part of that church. I'm just visiting. I'm going back to Cleveland. Okay, when you go back to your church in Cleveland, you need to practice this. Because every church, anytime somebody walks out of the community in, into our fellowship as a fellowship of believers, we're representing the Lord. Remember what Jesus said. This is how the world will know you are my disciples if you what? If you love one Another. So here's what you can do. Just practically, just very, these are simple. You ought to write these down. You ought to start working on them. Number one, look for people you don't know and greet them. Look for people you don't know. Because I know every Sunday we come and say, oh, I can't wait to see this person. I can't, man, we hadn't, we hadn't seen them all week. And, and I understand. And I, I listen, I like to say hello to you and you like to say hello to me. And that's good. That's good. But look for people you don't know. Because there might be somebody sitting on your row. There might be somebody sitting right behind you that doesn't know anybody. And they took a risk. And they're going to decide whether or not they're coming back. So look for people you don't know and greet them. Just look around. You say, well, maybe they're a member of a church. It's okay. If you say, if you greet somebody you don't know and they're a member of a church, that's not a bad thing. 
I mean, in Jan- I think it was January. Now think of it. Last January, I'd been here about 19 months. I see somebody and I go up and introduce myself. How you doing? Are you new here? No, I'm a member. We hadn't run together. But it's okay. But you know what happens? If we'll be intentional about looking for people we don't know and greet them and meet them and smile and share the love of Jesus with them, we're going to meet some people that are new. And we're going to make some connections. So look for new people and greet them. Number two, be helpful. Just be helpful. If you see someone and, you know, and they're kind of looking maybe for some, maybe they got some kids and you, you, you know, you could just kind of look, you just kind of say, they're probably new. Go up and offer to help. If they need to go to the children's building, take them to the children. If they're looking for a Sunday school class, take them to a Sunday school class. Let me just say this, and I, and I mean this. Help people don't just, don't just say, well, there's the children's building. It's over, it's the third building over there. If you, you can't miss it. Sure they can. Take them to the next building. If you're not preaching or singing the introductory song, you got time to take them where they need to go. You say, but I, but I'm a Sunday school teacher. Your class will wait. I, I promise. They'll wait. But listen, the difference Either you can be a travel agent. You know what a travel agent does? A travel agent, they take our information and they tell us, here's where you're going. That's what a travel agent does. But a tour, you know what a tour guide does? A tour guide, they take you under their wing and they walk you through the process. When we were on vacation, we went to a place called Linville Caverns. It's, the, it's just kind of this odd little cavern uh, where this water is just kind of worked uh, out from under the mountains. And we had this guide, and you go down in this place, it was kind of cool. Actually, it was cool because it was like 52 degrees. But we went over 600 feet back into this mountain in these caverns. But we had a guide with us, and, and they showed us everything. I mean, we got all the good stuff. Because they took us and made sure we had a good experience. If you encounter someone, don't just tell them where to go. Take them. Enhance their experience. It's, it's okay if you're late to class. If you need a pass, come see me. I'll give you a pass. Okay? It's okay if you're late to lunch. They'll still bring it. Look for people and greet them. Be helpful. Number three, um, go to lunch with a newcomer. If, if you meet somebody that's new... Invite them out to lunch or invite them to, to go have a cup of coffee or invite them into your home. Take a risk. Take a chance. Look at verse 11 of Romans chapter 12. Notice what it says, verse 11. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serve in the Lord. And the, the interesting, these three phrases, to, to, to not be lacking in zeal means to do things with enthusiasm and care. It has to do with action. The spiritual fervor has to do with fervency as opposed to indifference. In other words, uh, one deals with our actions, the other with our attitude. Serving the Lord means that everything that we do should have its, as its priority to serve the Lord. Listen, when, when we serve God's people, we're serving the Lord. So I, I just take somebody to lunch. 
Some of you have been going with the same three or four people to lunch after church for long as I've been here. You already know everything about one another. That's not, I'm not saying that's bad. But get out of your comfort zone. Meet somebody new. Have somebody over to your house. But, but here's what I'm saying. We need to love and serve the people that God brings to us. So take somebody to lunch. Be helpful. Look for people you don't know and greet them. And then fourth, the fourth kind of principle that I want us to look at is, is become a host or a hostess. Let me kind of explain that. Uh, for about three months, uh, several ladies uh, in the church and I and Wyatt have been talking about this principle of hospitality. How do we connect people to our church? And one of the things that we're passionate about is that we want to identify a group of people who love Jesus, who love people, and who are willing to get equipped to connect people to our church. We're going to call them hosts and hostesses. And we're so passionate about this and so intentional about this. Next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, right over here in this room, 103 and 104, we're going to be trained. There's going to be a training time where we're going to equip people who have a passion for hospitality. We're going to equip you and train you and help you with some principles so you can help connect people to our church. And listen, if you love Jesus, love people, and want to make a difference, I want to invite you to come. And we want to help you find your place in our ministry of connecting people to First Baptist Church. Many of you, now that's not for everybody, but many of you, you just love people. And you're looking for a way to connect. And by the way, you say you might be saying, well, you know, Pastor, I'm not a member yet. I've been coming. I'd really like to do that, but I'm not yet a member. That's okay. You don't have to be a member to do this. You don't have to be a member to, to welcome people into the family of God. All of us. Almost all of us can smile. I would say all of us can smile, but in one of our discipling groups this week, one of our men said he had a friend. He said, I got a friend that told me, he said, John, I'll do anything. I'll do anything in the church except smile. He said, I'm not going to smile. Now, if you can't smile, you probably don't need to be a host or a hostess. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm just saying that we can find a place for you, but if you can't smile, hospitality in the end, Okay? But for some of you, man, that you re- this resonates with you. You're saying, man, I could do that. I-, I can't teach a class. I don't want to teach a class. I don't sing in the choir. I- that's not my thing. But I know how to be nice to people. I like to visit and fellowship. Well, th- this is for you. And you can see me after the service and let me know that. But I encourage you, next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, right over there, we're going to meet. And we'll equip you and train you how to become a host, because we want to connect people to the body of Christ. Now, I want you to think with me. I know uh, our time's getting away, but let me just say this. Next Sunday, and the next Sunday, that God is, God is going to send some people through those doors. They're looking for God's next step in their spiritual journey. How we love them, how we help them, and how we encourage them will determine if they come back. And their decision to come back will de- we'll determine if we get to help shape their spiritual journey and their spiritual destiny. And, and if we get to shape their spiritual journey or spiritual destiny, we'll get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. 
And if we get to share the gospel of Christ with them as a church, we'll have an opportunity to help determine their eternal destiny. But it all starts with the first time. I don't know if you remember the old head and shoulders commercial. It says you never get a second chance to make a first impression. You never get a second chance to make the first impression. So we need to be intentional about pursuing love for strangers. I'm talking about guests. I'm talking about new people. And so can I just add, can I just encourage you? Look for people you don't know. Greet them. Look for people. Help them. Take them where they need to go. Take a risk. Invite someone over for coffee, out to lunch, to go to, you know, get out of your comfort zone. And if you're gifted that way, and if it's your passion, come to the host hostess training and, and, and find your place in connecting people to the body of Christ. Listen, listen. For those who are guests, for some of them, their eternal destiny hangs in the balance. We can't afford to mess that up. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed. We're praying all over the auditorium. And I just want to ask you personally, what is it? What is it that God has said to you this morning? Uh, what is it that God has spoken into your life? It, it could be, it could be that you are a first timer or maybe you're a recent guest and, and you're saying, yeah. You're, you're right about that. Um, and you want to be a part of, of this ministry. It might be that you've been here for years. And you go, you know, I know we need to do that well. I know we need to do that well. Yeah, I want to be a part of that. And I'm just wondering, would you be willing to commit today, new or old, to say, yes, I'm, I'm going to look for people and greet them. I'm going to help. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I just, I pray so much that God would raise up a generation of people here in our church that are willing to pursue the love of strangers, the love of our guests. Now, as we talked about, as I introduced this subject, I talked about the idea of what, you know, Israel down in Egypt, and they were in bondage, and they needed to be set free. And it might be that you're here this morning, and you, you, it's hard for you to resonate with this message because in your heart you know that that you're enslaved by your sin and you need to be set free. Well, Jesus came to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to preach deliverance for the captives. Jesus died to set you free. And if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, I would encourage you to do so today. But if you're already a believer, would you make a commitment would you unashamedly say, I'm, I'm going to pursue this hospitality. I'm going to practice those principles of loving others, getting out of my comfort zone, serving, honoring, preferencing others ahead of myself. Hope you'll make that commitment. Father, I pray in Jesus' name this morning that you would stir our hearts to, to show in the love of Christ to those you send to us. God, I know in the auditorium there's some men and women, some young people that have a gift 
They just have a gift. They know how to make people feel welcome. They know how to make people feel comfortable. And it thrills their heart to welcome people. God, those are the ones that need to be hosts. Those are the ones that need to be on the front line. They need to be at the doors. They need to be looking around because you've gifted them to share the love of Christ. But God, there are others of us. Maybe it's not our gift, but we sure are grateful for what Christ has done in us. And God, I just pray that you'd remind us, help us to remember what it's like to be a guest, to show love for people, to show love for people. And then, Father, it might be in the auditorium. There's some folks that have been guests for a while. They've been visiting for a while. And they've been looking for a church, and they want to, they want to plug into a place that cares about people, that wants to share the love of Jesus with people. And perhaps, God, that today you've stirred their heart, and they realize that this is the place. This is indeed where you want them to be. And so, God, as we have our hymn of invitation, I pray that you'd have your will in every person's heart, in every person's uh, life. And we'll give you the honor for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.